This is a Healthier Michigan podcast, episode 117. Coming up, we debunk myths that center around vegan and vegetarian diets. Welcome to a Healthier Michigan podcast. It's a podcast dedicated to navigating how we can improve our health and well-being through small, healthy habits we can start implementing right now. I'm your host, Chuck Gatica, and every other week we'll sit down with a certified expert to discuss topics that cover nutrition, fitness, a lot more. And on this episode, we're looking into the myths that surround vegan and vegetarian diets. That means we're also looking at the truths of what actually works and what's good. With us today, registered dietitian for Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan, Shanti Apollo. Hello, Shanti. Hi. How are you today? I'm doing great. It's a beautiful day. How are you? Oh, you know, I'm doing well, thank you. And I know that uh, there's so much we can dig into here. Do you qualify yourself as either vegan or vegetarian? I don't. I will say that in the last couple of years, I have moved more towards plant-based foods. So I am not seeing myself, you know, including meat as my main portion as often. Relying on protein for more plant-based sources, definitely, recently in the last two years. Well, I think we're seeing that happen really, you know, over at least the past decade or so. There's a really good chance a lot of people have heard the phrase vegan, maybe more so. I don't know, vegetarian. Have you noticed an increase as well in food options that we can all partake in when you go Oh, out? the food options are just so much better nowadays. It's like you can find a lot of delicious vegan options, vegetarian options. There are so many more restaurants dedicated to vegan and vegetarian diets. And then, of course, on our grocery shelves, we're going to see a lot more plant-based meats that taste almost like meat, um, but they're not. And I think, <laughs> yeah. you know, it all comes down to what your motivation for moving towards a vegan vegetarian diet is. It's like, is it ethical uh, for the love of animals? Is it sustainability aspect? Because, of course, there are so many benefits to our earth by eating plant-based proteins. And then finally, our health. So it can be a combination of all of those. That's definitely where my motivation came from to eat more plant-based was all three. So tell us the difference in definition. What is a vegan or lifestyle and what is a vegetarian? So a vegan diet excludes all meat and animal products. So no animal products. So there's not a lot of nuances to a vegan diet. It's just if it has anything that came from an animal in it, it is not considered vegan. Now, I, I guess in saying that there are some nuances to vegan diets. So for example, some vegans may not eat honey because the general treatment of bees. So there's also, you know, a welfare aspect to bees there. But a vegetarian diet definitely has more nuances to it. So there's lacto-vegetarian. So that means that they're not going to be eating meat, poultry, fish, eggs, but it does include dairy products. So someone who's lacto-vegetarian might enjoy some, you know, milk, yogurt, cheese, things like that. And then there's lacto-ovo-vegetarian. So they are not going to be eating meat, poultry, or fish, but can have eggs and dairy products. So the eggs is kind of an addition there in the lacto-ovo besides just the lacto. And then there are these other phrases that I hear from time to time, and I actually relate to one of them, flexitarian, right? It, yeah. it kind of implies, I'm, not that I am flexible in terms of my ligaments, but you know, <laughs> I do flex like, I do like you, center more toward a plant-based diet, but yet I will include fish. I will have yogurt, you know, or oatmeal with yogurt in the morning, et cetera. So I'm kind of flexible- Pescatarian, what's that one? Oh, that's the one that you have fish with 
vegetables, right? So I, I kind of get that. So there are those other phrases that kind of wind up there. And I think a lot of people sometimes hear, or they may even think that eating only fruits and vegetables can't be healthy for you. Like you're missing stuff. Is that true or false? You know, where this comes from is that if you only eat plant-based food sources, you can become deficient in things like vitamin B12, for example, because it's only essentially found in animal sources. So in those cases, you do have to eat some fortified foods or some supplements in order to get it. So, you know, you can become deficient in certain things. You might be at a higher risk for being deficient in certain things. And that's just where planning comes in. So if you're following a vegan or a vegetarian diet, you might just need to have some more careful planning, but it can definitely be healthy. And some people would think, well, I can't get protein by eating just vegetables and fruits. What about that? Oh my gosh. There are so many plant-based proteins to enjoy. I think where the difference is here is that most animal proteins are going to have all the essential amino acids that we need. Now, we have non-essential amino acids in our bodies, which means that we can produce them. And then we have essential amino acids, which means that we have to consume them in order to live. And there are nine of them. And so in a lot of plant-based sources, they're usually missing one of those amino acids. So that's where it's important to include a variety of plant proteins. So like if all you enjoy in the plant protein world is peanut butter, then you're going to be lacking some amino acids. Now, soy and quinoa are exceptions. They do have those. And some people might enjoy, you know, rice and black beans together because that makes it a complete protein where it has all the amino acids. So there are definitely ways to get around it. Interesting. So, you know, what's funny about you saying black beans and rice, which I would enjoy as a combo, I don't know that I would put them together as a combo because I thought they were giving me a complete, you know, meal with protein and and all the rest. I just put it together because I think it tastes great, right? Or oh. I, get it on, I get it on my wrap when I go out. I just kind of thought, oh, that's a great combo, you know? Yeah. And, you know, as we're thinking about this too, like it is healthy to eat fruits and vegetables, absolutely. But there's also unhealthy ways to be vegan and vegetarian. Oh. You know, it's absolutely possible to be vegan and eat only ultra processed foods where it's high in saturated fat, not from butter, but from other sources. Coconut oil or something, right? Yeah. And sugar is still vegan. <laughs> yeah. a, a lot of sweeteners are vegan. So there are so many ways to be unhealthy on vegan and vegetarian diets. And I think a lot of people are expecting, oh, it's vegan and vegetarian. I'm going to cut out a lot of food. I can lose weight. So weight loss is not always something associated with that as well, because it is possible to overeat. That's interesting. I've heard, uh, what's the phrase I've heard? Is it dirty vegan or dirty vegetarian? Meaning that maybe you're getting all your calories from processed veggie foods or something, right? And some convenience is nice in life, but as long as all of our stuff isn't coming from ultra processed foods, we're good. <laughs> well, let's go through the list. You mind if we start with the myths in kind of a list of things that are myths. Vegan vegetarian diets are always, that's a key word, always the healthiest way to go. False. <laughs> I think we just covered it, yeah, right? right? Like it's possible to overeat and it is possible to have too much sugar and saturated fat. Going vegan vegetarian guarantees weight loss. You just touched on that. Although there was a famous thing 
Several years ago, it was former President Bill Clinton, right? He had some heart issues, and he switched to either a vegan or vegetarian diet. And man, he did lose some weight, and it seems like it helped his health. But some of that is based on you, right? On the way you operate. Exactly. It's based on your choices. It's essentially going to be based on the choices that you make related to food and how much you're eating of it. You know, we don't have to get into the nuances of weight loss because there are so many things to it. But like, let's just go with the old saying eat less, move more. So if you're following that on a vegan vegetarian diet, you're likely going to be losing weight, but there are also ways to definitely overdo it and uh, gain weight as well. You already touched on protein, but this idea that it's not possible to get enough protein on a vegan vegetarian diet, it sounds like what we've already discussed and you've brought forth is that it is possible, but what are the sources we're looking for to get protein? Yeah. So, so many places to get protein uh, on a plant-based diet. So you think nuts and nut butters, you think beans, soy products are excellent sources. You know, there are a lot of plant-based alternatives to meat nowadays. So, I mean, we could go down the list of so many, but you can get them from your grocery store really easily in a convenient way too. And it could be, you say, legumes or legumes. I mean, it could be pea soup. I was surprised at how much protein, it's not a lot, but is in my bowl of oatmeal. Exactly. Yeah, just your oats have some protein too. Yeah, right, right. Here's another one because I have seen some even former bodybuilders have switched to maybe a vegan vegetarian diet, this notion that you can't build muscle if you go vegetarian or vegan. So uh, I think in our culture... We think of protein as building muscle sometimes, where what actually builds muscle is exercise. And protein helps build the muscles with that exercise. But without exercising, we're not going to get there. But so that's the major kind of concept there is we need to focus on the exercise, not so much the protein. And the protein we can get from so many different sources. For an athlete, getting enough protein and also getting enough calories are going to be key. And it just goes back to what we were talking about earlier. As long as an athlete gets a variety of proteins to meet those, you know, nine essential amino acids, you're good to go. So it would also seem that if you are working out and you're picking things up and putting them down, you know, you're really going after it and you want to have protein shakes, et cetera, supplements, you can do that with veggie-based drinks, right? Whether it's soy or something else, you don't have to drink the ones that are milk-based if it's something that you're against consuming. Exactly. Pea protein is really popular nowadays. There are so many different protein supplements. A lot of people actually overdo the amount of protein that they need. So I think for vegans, vegetarians, or people who eat you know, meat as well, just look at your own needs for protein, usually for the general population, it's 0.8 grams of kilograms of body weight. And for someone who's more active, it can go to like one kilogram to 1.2, all the way perhaps to two, depending on what your level of exercises are. So you can get all those from plants. But I think we need to put less focus so much on protein and just how much you need instead of protein, protein, protein. (laughs) You know, uh, there's definitely ways to optimize it. For example, if you're vegan, vegetarian, or someone who eats meat, having a serving of protein 30 minutes to an hour after exercising can be a really good idea to help with that muscle recovery. You know, you just said something here that struck a question in my mind. Is there such a thing as a vegan or vegetarian keto? I mean, you know, where people are just doing the protein thing? Is there such a thing? Um, Could you exist that way? 
I've never thought about this before, but if we're thinking about keto, it is a large focus on protein and fat and not so many carbohydrates. Oftentimes when we look at protein from plant sources, they are going to be associated with carbohydrates. So for example, like chickpeas, sure, they're high in protein, but they've also got quite a bit of carbohydrates. So there's probably a way to do it out there if you, you know, eat isolated proteins and, you know, focus more on protein shakes and that kind of thing. But I would say that it's probably less common than (laughs) other types of keto. But you mentioned chickpeas, and there are so many different ways, of course, to do it. But I'm telling you, Shanti, I could live on a falafel sandwich smeared with hummus and, you know, some pickles on there wrapped in a piece of pita bread. And I don't know how much protein I'm getting from a falafel, which is basically, you know, chickpeas. But it's got to be a great sandwich to bring that whole balance together. And if it's not, don't tell me because I'm going to have one pretty soon anyway. I'm with you there. I think uh, hummus is a great spread, a healthy spread. It's got tons of fiber and healthy fat. So I'm with you and it does provide a good source of protein too. So we're still on our list of myths as we keep going through the list. Uh, The idea that you need to have dairy for strong bones. Oh, this one's so annoying, Chuck, because there are so many different ways to get calcium that is not dairy. And let's start with just non-dairy milk sources. Not all of them have calcium added to them, but a lot of them do. And all you have to do is read the label. Oftentimes, some of these milks like oat milk, like soy milk, almond milk, they're going to have about the same amount as dairy will. And so swapping to that is a good idea. Also, we're going to see it in calcium set tofu. There are a lot of other fortified foods. There's beans, nuts, seeds that can give you calcium. One of the things about leafy greens. We often hear that as a good calcium source. The only thing here is that they have this compound called oxalates, and that can actually interfere with calcium being absorbed by the body. And so, you know, spinach, beet greens, Swiss chard, those kind of leafy greens often have oxalates and can interfere with some of that calcium. So instead, you can look for things like bok choy, kale, and broccoli. And they're going to be really good sources of calcium, but not have so many oxalates. Broccoli is like a superfood, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it really is. I know people make fun of it. Yeah, right. But it. uh, You can make it taste so good, though. Kale? You can? Oh, yeah. It's all about the massage. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'm going to have to get some tricks and some recipes from you because I'm with you on broccoli. I I can eat broccoli all day long. You just need a 20-second gentle massage on that kale with some olive oil. And you're good to go in the salad. It just needs some TLC. (laughs) That is the hack of the day. Maybe of the entire podcast, massage the kale. That's awesome. Do it. (laughs) And you know, the other thing is that you have to, I think you have to understand, for me, I have to understand, and I've seen it work. When you start to adjust your taste buds to vegetarian, or I'm not vegan, but you know, I I mentioned that I am including more plant-based, like I switch to almond milk in my coffee every day. It's not the same flavor, but after 30, 60 days of nearly any change, you can get used to some of the stuff. And I'll bet you after I massage the kale, after a month, I'll tell you that I like it now. You, know. <laughs> you come back to me on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Next time we're together, I'll let you know how it's working. <laughs> One more thing about this idea of uh, calcium. At the beginning of young people's lives, babies, we hear about it. And then as we get older, and especially for women, maybe, you know, osteoporosis risk. Is there any concern? Can, you could still supplement, I guess, too, right? If you actually had a particular issue. Yeah. So, The recommended intake is 1,000 milligrams a day 
for the average person. For women and men over 50, that increases to 1,200 milligrams. And so the most of the bone formation in our life actually happens by our mid-20s, but it still is critical after that point. So, you know, that's why, especially over age 50, when we are at an increased risk of osteoporosis, especially postmenopausal women, where that does become really important. And, you know, I think it's worth having a conversation with your doctor about just seeing what your sources are, how much you're getting and how much you need. But you can definitely get it from food. And if you're not getting enough from these fortified foods, then yeah, you can supplement. Any other deficiencies that tend to pop up on a list that you've seen where people get concerned if they're including more plant-based in their diet? Yeah. So vitamin B12, I mentioned towards the beginning of the podcast, and that's because it's almost exclusively found in animal products. So if you're not eating animal products, how are you going to get it, right? And so you do oftentimes, if you're a vegan, need to supplement with vitamin B12 and include fortified foods. So like soy products oftentimes have B12 added, breakfast cereals, bread, even meat substitutes is going to have that added. And again, it just comes back to a well-planned vegan or vegetarian diet. Yeah. And you can be tested for that if you have any suspicion or like, you know, if you're curious and you want to know thyself a little more. I've had it run in my blood work. I've seen it pop up as, you know, in the normal range. So it was all right, but you can get that. Right. Yeah, definitely worth exploring with your physician. Uh, You've mentioned soy a couple of times. I know there seemed to be a period of time not that long ago where there was a flurry. There were a flurry of articles about from a man's standpoint that soy tends to have more female hormones or something in it. And be careful, especially if you're working out and you're doing soy-based protein. Is there anything to that or is that a myth? So, you know, one of the problems with a lot of those studies that found these estrogenic effects of soy was that it was about how soy was being studied. Actually, the key takeaway here kind of is that soy is either beneficial or has a neutral effect on the body. And it can actually come along with a lot of great health benefits. So it's not something to be afraid of. If you were to choose between like soy and beef, <laughs> you're going to get more health benefits from the soy. Interesting. And you know, if, if it's soy milk and uh, there are products, salad dressings, other things have soy oil. I mean, we may be getting it in ways we're not aware of already. And if you're not having any issues, I guess no big deal. Yeah, I think it's easy to grab on to these ideas when they're associated with harmful effects on your body. That's where it's hard to move past, but we just really have to go with evidence and go with, you know, what the research shows and it is that it's healthy for you. So after all these myths, what advice would you give to all of us if you're considering a vegan or vegetarian diet? I think that doing some research is a good place to start. Talking to your healthcare provider about your plans to start following a vegan or vegetarian diet and come up with a plan. So, you know, I was talking about a well-planned vegan and vegetarian diet. Think about the sources that you're going to be getting your iron from, your calcium from, your vitamin B12, those sources that you're at the biggest risk of being deficient of. And just think about the sources that you're going to be getting those from. Think about your own needs in terms of protein and, you know, calcium. But at the end of the day, it doesn't have to be super complicated. It's not like this extreme formula that you have to follow. But yeah, do take some consideration. And you can also enter in the shallow end of the pool and kind of walk in deeper and deeper, right? You don't have to 
pull the trigger and just go vegan right away. You can kind of go in gradually and see how it's working. Yeah. If that's how you desire to do it, you know, oftentimes if someone has a problem with, you know, how animals are treated, it can be a really easy switch straight into veganism. But, you know, depending on where your motivation comes from to change, you can definitely ease into it. Well, when I was a kid growing up, people used to say you need to talk to your plants and they will be happier. And now today, now you have to massage your plants. <laughs> so now I'm going to massage the kale and see if it tastes better with a little olive oil on it. Shati, it's always good to see you. Thanks. Great. Bye-bye. Take good care. Shati Appella joining us. She's a registered dietitian for Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. We're glad you were here listening to a Healthier Michigan podcast. It's brought to you by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. If you like the show, you can check us out online at ahealthiermichigan.org slash podcast. Leave us reviews, ratings on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. All of our episodes, including this one, episode 117, can come your way on your smartphone or tablet. So be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. I'm Chuck Gatica. Be well. <laughs>